Hello, welcome to Adventures in Words, where we explore storytelling in all its forms. I'm Rob. I'm Kate. And after a slightly longer break than we anticipated, we've returned. And today we're talking all about the Man Booker Prize 2016. Yep, so uh, when we left you, we said I think we were going to be back in a fortnight with our discussion of the Man Booker shortness. And I guess that's still what we're going to be talking about, except obviously we have had a longer break than we were anticipating. It's just been really really crazy this is uh october is always the busiest month in publishing and i guess i knew that from last year but um uh this is sort of rob's first experience with that firsthand mm, um yes. we've both i suppose probably partly as a result of that ended up not being very well um just yeah i guess everyone in publishing also experiences that as well when you're rushed off your feet you end up um not being very well uh, coupling that with going away on holiday trying to fit everything in it's just been absolutely nuts but we tried to use the time productively we've read through the shortlist or i mean i've i read through the non-vintage ones i was originally going to read the book that eventually won the man book prize 2016 which has now since been announced which is the sellout by Paul Beatty. Um, but due to reasons which we'll talk about later, I actually swapped that mm-hmm. with Rob for his bloody project by Graham McRae Burnett. We'll we'll talk about that later on in the podcast. So I have read three of the shortlists and then I actually have been refreshing my memory of Eileen as well by Etessa Moshveg. And Rob has been having a read of All That Man Is by David Soloy and he's also been having a look at the set out as well. So that's kind of what we've been up to as well as just um, trying to cope with what is the absolute busiest season for publishing in the entire calendar basically. It certainly is. So uh I haven't finished all mine, I'm afraid. Kate's read more than I have on the shortlist, but that's mostly because I wasn't very well. But we're going to give it a go and tell you what we think about the books that we have read. So, Kate, uh, you, you mentioned swapping out his bloody project, which I yes. did want to read. So why don't you tell me about it? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, it's not actually very long. So yeah. um, when you do read it, which I'm sure you will, um, it won't take you that long. So um, there are two... Yeah, there are actually two quite short books on the shortlist, which are His Bloody Project and also Hot Milk by Deborah Levy. So I ended up reading um, those two books, which are both quite short, um, which probably helped. Um, So His Bloody Project um, by Graham McRae Burnett is one of the ones that's actually sold the most Mm. on the whole shortlist. Um, It's published by Contraband, which is um, probably the smallest publisher. Uh, It's like a little independent Scottish publisher. And I think that might be one of the reasons why it's actually sold the most. One of the other reasons is that um, Graham McRae Burnett used to be a bookseller for Waterstones. Mm -hmm. And as a result, Waterstones have really been talking about it a lot. And they've had lots of tables in shops (laughs) and they've been, you know, um, like putting it really front and centre and like really supporting it. So at least so in the UK, it's, be, it's been one of the books that has really been very popular and I think also because it's been quite um, a, a kind of an approachable book perhaps yeah. compared yeah. to some of the others. Well, it caught so, my eye when we were going through it and I obviously then wanted to 
Give it a go. So, um, yeah, and when you look at the book as well, I think it looks quite unusual. So, I mean, we'll we'll put up um, a, a photo, obviously, of the different books. So, it's quite a small book, and it's in paperback. Um, so, perhaps as well, it's it costs slightly less than some of the others. Well, that which always helps. Help. I mean, all the books will have got a sales bump. Yeah. Um, for the very nature. Of it. I mean, the what the copy you've got is when it was long listed for. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I think this is they they didn't put out a different edition, mm. so this one says long listed for the booker, and this uh, yeah, it's a paperback, and it actually looks like it's got bloody fingerprints mm-hmm. on the jacket, which is quite an interesting um, cover. So, the idea is it's set in 1869. It says a brutal triple murder in a remote community in the Scottish Highlands leads to the arrest of a young man by the name of Roderick McRae. A memoir written by the accused makes it clear that he is guilty, but it falls to the country's finest legal and psychiatric minds to uncover what drove him to commit such merciless acts of violence. Was he mad? Only the persuasive powers of his advocate stand between McRae and the gallows. Graham McRae Burnett tells an irresistible and original story about the provisional nature of truth, even when the facts seem clear. So basically, the way this is written is as if you're reading that memoir. Hmm. It's like a like the the book equivalent of found footage. Ah, oh, right, yes. So you're reading the words of Roderick MacRae, um, and I mean that's a very ancient um, tradition. You know, this is like. Um, the the very first novels were written as if from the perspective of the mm. character, like you were reading their diary. So this is a this is a, going back to the like the very first forms of novels. Yeah, uh, and it was funny because actually, Atessa Moshfeg um, was in the UK for like you know promoting and like doing events for the booker, and she was saying that um, she read. Um, his bloody project and the storyline is not dissimilar to um, her her novella McCrum Um, so it's like it's not um, necessarily an unusual storyline either but I think it's the way that it's written Mm. is what really caught the eye of the judges Um, and I think um, perhaps it's been really popular because maybe it's a slightly less um, literary in inverted commas form like people find it less um off-putting like it's uh, you know they think it's a crime novel basically yeah. so they don't find it as um off-putting they find it more approachable to pick up and read so it's a bit more accessible yeah possibly. and actually the same with eileen that those are those have both sold pretty well this and eileen because people see them as crime novels not uh, you know um, kind of stuffy literary things, which yeah. is what perhaps the kind of everyday book buying people associate with the booker. So these these are kind of if we include Eileen, literary novels that kind of cross over into the yeah exactly. Yeah. But then I mean I, I guess for me I do find it a bit frustrating that there has to be that distinction. Yeah. I mean yeah. there's no reason why a crime novel can't be just as well written as any other no. Mm. literary in inverted mm. commas novel and there's no reason why a literary in inverted commas novel can't can't yeah. be just as gripping as a crime novel well, you know yeah they're, they're all you know it, it's just where people decide to shelve them in a bookshop mm. at the end of the day so what, so, did you, so what did you think getting back to his bloody project um so i really enjoyed it 
Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think, I mean, in terms of how it moved me, you know, or, you know, how fantastic it thought, you know, like when it comes to giving it a star rating or whatever, when I, when I came to think of it, when I finished it, um, I gave it four rather than five stars on Goodreads. I didn't think it was the most original thing I'd read. I didn't think it was the most inventive thing I'd read because I have read similar things before like this. I, I you know, mm-hmm. I've I've read similar things with, um, you know, with first person unreliable narrators. Um, oh, see, I do like a good first person. Well, yeah, I mean, it, exactly. I mean, it's good fun. <laughs> you know what you're getting with it. You know, straight away you're in there. I enjoyed the I enjoyed the setting. Like the historical setting is really well done. Mm. Um, you the character is really believable. You know he's gonna you know he's gonna be unreliable from the start because it's a first person narrator and you are reading his diary and his account of what he's done. So obviously he's going to you can't trust him, clearly. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to be writing it in a certain way. There's always I mean, a certain agenda, perhaps. Yeah. Who are you writing a diary for? Is it to be, re- be written back by you, or is he, it someone he else? He states from the beginning that he's been asked to write oh, it. Oh, okay. Well, there we go. Alarm bells. Yeah. It's not his. <laughs> it's not his actual diary. He's been asked to write it, and I mean, when I guess I compared it to the secret history, mm. which for me is like, I mean, you you really you really really rate that. Yes. And I we I I read that as uh, because we were doing a book club. Mm. And you know we've got a podcast about it, and so on. If people want to listen to that, and that is so fascinating, and I think really sets the benchmark in terms mm. of unreliable, unreliable narrators, and the way that things are revealed. Because right from the start of the um, of the secret history, you know what has happened. Yes, it's very much. But it's about yeah. why did, and it's the same so, with this. So it's a why done it. Not who done it. Yeah, you in you know who did it. You know what happened, mm. but it is why why did he do it? What was the motivation? And are they, yeah, are they going mm. to manage to justify it? I guess. And I suppose I just didn't find. I don't know. I there was something which. I mean, perhaps it perhaps it could have been a bit more inventive, or okay. I, d- I don't know. But I mean, it's not to say I found it really enjoyable to read. It went along at a good lick. Yeah, I found the characters really interesting. Yeah, I thought it was really good. Well, I'm going to take that back off you now because I it's think sa- it was a satisfying read. Oh, it was a it was yeah. a good way to pass the time. I think that's what I'm saying. Hmm. Well, I'm quite. Lo- I'm still looking forward to reading this. Um, and if you're now comparing it to Secret History, then that's even better. So yeah, I mean, I I think it, I'm, I wouldn't say it's as good as the Secret well, History. No. That's a book that I, do, um, I don't think it comes up to that level. Secret History is by Donna Tartt. If people don't know, and it was it's um, one I studied at university, and I've read it now two or three times, and it still holds up just as well. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's sort of in that the style of. A bit like a historical. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I don't think probably it's as deep as that. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's not got the same complexity of the narrative because this is very much one thread of one right. person mm. all the way through, and until you get right to the end, and then you get some different documents mm. with some different characters who then investigate back. All right. But it is. 
it is a it's a good read. I think that's mm. what that's what I'm saying. It's not it's not it's not the best thing I've ever read or anything like no. that. Okay. It's not right right up at the very top, but it's a it's a fun way to pass an afternoon. Yeah. Well should we talk about Eileen at the same time? So this is where you need to put yeah. your vintage hat on. So Eileen I think is a different kettle of fish mm-hmm. because it's much it's a lot darker which is saying something because his bloody project is about three very brutal murders right. um, but it's interesting because the tone for the majority of it is not that dark because you're with this guy and generally he comes across as quite a nice bloke mm. um i didn't i didn't get the feeling that there was that much funnily enough despite the fact you know what he's going to do until quite late on, I didn't feel like there was that much darkness about him. There is about some of the other characters, which mm. I don't. I don't want to say too much about because I don't want you to have too many spoilers about the other people. Yes, but funnily enough, about the main character, I didn't feel it was that dark. Yeah, because this is the whole thing. He's writing his own story. Because with Eileen, we've had some feedback. About some people who took yes. against some parts. Yeah, of it. absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, Eileen, I think, is something where, and Atessa Moshevik has said this herself that you know she she went out of her way to write someone who is not your average main female character. That she is quite an unpleasant mm. character. And but but she's open about that. The the main character says directly to the audience, "This is what I'm like," mm. and she's quite a hard character to read. And I found that really interesting. So it's, I mean, there are there are kind of comparisons there to be made to maybe someone like P- Patricia Highsmith oh, yeah. with Ripley. Mm. Tom Ripley, yeah. Uh, yeah, Tom Ripley. Not from Alien. Yeah. <laughs> um, Didn't even think about that, but yeah, Tom so, Ripley. Yeah. Yeah. Talented Mr Ripley. Where yes. you're still quite fascinated by Eileen, even though she's not pleasant. Mm, I know what you mean. I've read Talented Mr Ripley, and there's a weird... You're almost hoping he gets away with it each time, mm. yet you know what he's doing is wrong. Yeah. Um, so it's it's not so much that... Eileen is going out there and, you know, she she's not like a baddie from the start or anything like yeah. that. But she's definitely not a pleasant person, not an easy person. She treats herself. She doesn't take care of herself. Um, she has a very difficult relationship with her own body. She's not comfortable in her own body. She doesn't really like food and eating um, as a part of the fact that she doesn't really like or feel comfortable in her, in her own body. She sees food as something she has to have, not something mm. she wants or enjoys. Um, and so because she doesn't really like eating, her body is not very healthy or happy. Um, so she kind of discusses her bodily functions in a way that is kind of partly very functional but also kind of with disgust and that forms part of the narrative of the book like part of the um daily routine so there is almost something quite uh, i don't know yeah i mean on the one hand she is the main character but then on the other hand she she does make you think of yeah someone like tom ripley but then almost 
I don't know, someone quite, you know, is she the, is she the serial killer type character? Is Mm. she the, the psychopath? You know, you're not quite sure. And I think that's what is so fascinating right from the beginning. You're, you're never quite sure whether you're supposed to be rooting for her or whether she's going to turn out to be the one who's going to do something so it really is very tense. It's very dark. Um, and I think when, when you start reading, but you're, you're expecting it to be something quite different to how it, it's, it's, it's so hard to talk about <laughs> because almost anything that you say about plot is just going to spoil it. Right, but okay. I, I just thought it was so, I, I haven't, yeah, I, yeah. I, there's there's very little you can say apart from describing the characters. So yeah, she is she is very very dark. She's a very difficult character. She's not a pleasant character. She's not really someone you like. And it it is the plot is quite slow and it doesn't move along very quickly at first, and then it really ramps up mm. about halfway through. It really starts to move. Um, she's quite a sort of obsessive character, and her dad is a really interesting character as well it's it is quite a psychological study i don't know i think you have to you have to be prepared to look at it as not so much something you're reading for plot as something you're reading almost to look at the tropes of these sort of characters that appear in things like yeah, the science of the lambs, Patricia Highsmith oh, right. novels. It's mm. it's almost like a kind of study of those kind of American psychological thriller mm. type novels, mm. because it's taking those type of characters and almost enhancing them up to fever pitch. Mm. It's I I think it's really interesting, but it is very dark. Yeah, I know not everyone not everyone enjoyed it. Uh, because there are some pretty nasty things that happened. So, yeah, there we go. Right. I, don't, I don't know if it, I'll be honest, I don't know if it's really my kind of thing. No, I don't, well, you don't read many books in that, not genre, but that mm. style. It's the kind of, of thing that I prefer on film, actually. Yes. So. Perhaps we haven't yeah. got to spend so much time with the characters. Yeah, yeah. maybe, actually. Well, I think um, of the two so far, yeah. these are more my yeah. style. I think these are these perhaps. are probably more your kind of thing, actually, to read. Because I've read more around. Mm. I've read the Silence of the Lambs. I've read Tom Ripley. Mm. I've read things yeah. like that. So, so far, I think, mm. yeah. But I mean, genuinely, it is fascinating, particularly that kind of psychological study. But yeah, there we go. Should I talk about one? Go for it. So I went for also one of yours that's published. Mm. Uh, all that man is by David Saloy. Saloy, right? So it's it's spelt S Z A L A Y. He was born in Canada. Um, he has lived in various places. He's currently living in Budapest. Mm. And he was a granter best young British novelist. Yes, indeed. So I read this one. Uh, the, I've got the hardback, and it's kind of it's very bright and colourful. Um, it's kind of got slices of maps. Yeah. Sort of the, the different places all the different, the different places. people yes. are living in. And that's because uh, it's a series of shorts. Well, there's nine men. <laughs> and I'm gonna, I almost... Right. So 
this is the slight issue I have with this book. Is it, is it a novel or is it a collection of short stories? So inside there are nine stories, <laughs> which are short, featuring nine different men and each of them focuses on a different stage of their lives. It normally involves them travelling somewhere, going somewhere different. They're either going to something or they're leaving something behind. It's quite a thick book, but I did... Because of the nature of it, I did I did tend to read each of the sh- the each of the stories in one contained go. Yeah. So I always read them in. I basically had nine chunks, nine mm. blocks. Now, I did enjoy it, but this is the nature I have when I read a collection of stories that are short. Um, which is that quite often I'm involved. I would get in- quite involved in the characters, but then obviously their time comes to an end, and you mm-hmm. move on to a different one. Um, and you are aware of the sort of passage of time because obviously when you start a new story that is short, uh, you, <laughs> it takes you a little, there's an adjustment period. You're, you're figuring out when they are, who they are, where they are, that sort of thing. Mm. And then you get settled in and then you, your time with them is then gone. So yeah. I did like it and I can see what he was doing, that you're looking at men all through their different stages of their life. Mm-hmm. Um, towards the middle, there was a bit, less that you could sort of say but certainly towards the end when you're into retirement you you start to think more about your own life and obviously death and where people go to retire was quite interesting at the start it was a bit sort of very much they were um being fueled by their um sex drive their libido Mm -hmm. there's a few stories involving that um first time going on holiday on your own or going on your holiday things like that so but this is this does it feel like a novel i'm not sure it's it's sort of the stories are all around a central theme perhaps if it had i think sometimes i would have liked perhaps a character to come back Mm. to link it a bit further or there were people that i were more interested in it would have been nice even if they were just mentioned in passing Mm. to you'd you'd recognize a character or they went to the same they went to a similar place things like that um so there was a few and there's a few I wanted to spend much more time with. There's actually one about a tabloid newspaper and they're going to print um, a scandal involving a politician. And it, that all felt very convincing. And bearing in mind the news of the world issues that we've had in mm. this country, I actually want to spend a bit more time learning about that. But yeah, it was. I enjoyed it and I, re- I got through it very quickly. But does it? Is it a novel is something that I'm trying to still figure out. I think a lot of people have been talking about this. Um, on Book a Night, on the programme BBC News, they had Alex Clark and mm. um, Sarah, your friend Sarah Churchwell. My former <laughs> lecturer, yes. Um, what I thought was actually really lovely that was that Sarah Churchwell compared David Soroy to Hemingway. Mm. I was like, wow, that's an amazing comparison. Because they were both talking about the fact that some people were like, uh, it's a collection of short stories, it's not a novel. Um, and they were saying that the challenge with something like this is to make... If like if you don't interweave characters, you have to have the th- the themes yes. s- link so well between the stories that it feels cohesive. And Sarah Churchwell said that she thought no one else had made the sto- made a collection of stories so thematically linked that they that it made them into a novel since Hemingway. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. Well, so then, yeah. she thinks it works. Not everyone has agreed. There is still, you know, some people 
don't agree, but obviously the Booker judges did. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, I think, in a way, that's almost... I think because it was put on the Booker longlist, yeah. shortlist, which is about novels, yeah. that's almost detracting from what the book does. Yeah. That we're, t- we're spending far too much time talking yeah, about, is exactly. it a novel? We're thinking it's, it's about another. It's a bit like what I was saying earlier about crime fiction slash. Yeah. You know, does it actually matter that much? And perhaps that is something that you go in with a distraction. Perhaps mm. I was looking at it too much. Yeah. What? What? I mean, it's a slightly odd comparison, but I, it almost got me thinking about Monty Python's meaning of life, which is about mm. from your, your birth to your death, and it kind of goes and weaves in, mm. and that is following things through almost mm. to the same extent here. Mm. Now, perhaps I was just looking for that connection too much because I was thinking, well, this is a novel, you know, the novel's got to have, you know, mm. and this is a book Whereas that has a. If it had been any other book, you would have just yeah. read it. And it does follow chronologically, so it's almost got a start, middle, and an end sort of thing, and you're, and you're watching, but then it's saying about. I guess then what it's now saying is that you're seeing these nine different men, because obviously the focus is on, and it's looking at what man is, mm. and they're all following this same sort of path. So yeah. I thought it was very good. Like I say, it's a shame that there is, there is this distraction about, is it a novel, isn't it? But yeah, I, I liked it, and I, I read it very quickly, and there were some great bits in it. I was very intrigued. I think the fact that I wanted to spend more time with these characters who I'd only like met in an instant, met in a moment, says said quite a lot about how how what a good job he's done. Mm-hmm. So I recommend it, but yeah, I think it's just a shame almost that this it's it, this distraction sort of hangs over it. Okay, do you want to go go now? Yeah, um, I will talk about Hot Milk next by Deborah Levy. So um, Swimming Home was actually on the Booker long list. Long- Long list or short list? Short list. Um, a couple of years ago, which was published by And Other Stories. So Hot Milk um, is uh, published by Hamish Hamilton. Um, so um, Swimming Home was a, coll- was that a collection of short stories. No, that was a. Or is that, it? That was a novel. <laughs> no, stop it. That was a collection. No, what was that? I can't remember now. No, I think that was a. That was the novel. That was the one with the. Uh, they find the girl in the swimming pool. There's a family on holiday. They find the girl in oh, the swimming yeah. pool. Um, but I don't think we... That must have been on the long list because then I don't think we actually read it. I can't remember now. Well, it's just on the front shortlisted or through the shortlisted Swimming Home. Oh, maybe I... Yeah. Anyway, tell me, tell me about Hot Milk. I think that was one where maybe you just read the sample and then I yeah. didn't read the whole thing. Maybe you read... Oh, I can't remember now anyway. And whatever we did, didn't read the whole <laughs> thing for some reason. But so anyway, whereas this, I did read the whole thing. And this is my first time where I've read the read a whole Deborah Levy novel. And I really, really thought this was fantastic, actually. So this is a PRH, but not a vintage. Um, hence me reading the whole thing. It's just It doesn't actually have a blurb on the back, funny enough. It's got a quote instead from Lisa Appin... Apinyanese, I think I'm pronouncing that. Oh no, that's me. I know, but it's got it's got like a silent n in it, or it's an Italian name, and I haven't I didn't practice that. Don't look at me. Are you practicing advanced? Well, you know, some of us (laughs) like to prepare. Um, A hot attic sun glares down on Levy's novel, imbuing her mere mortals with a mythic dimension and exposing the monsters within. Maternal hysteria here is more toxic to a daughter who struggles to leave home and become woman than the floating Medusas that choke the sea. Only Elena uh, Elena Ferrante writes of the seepages of illness and women's identity in the family with equal insight. But Levy's prose is gleeful and 
punctuated with a scabrous wit. As gripping as it is illuminating, funny and unputdownable, Hot Milk is a novel by a writer at the peak of her talents. Um, I think that's a very good summary. Um, so Hot Milk is essentially about uh, a mother and daughter. Uh, the mother is unwell. Uh, she is, uh, from time to time, struck down by some illness which renders her unable to walk, except that at other times she's perfectly able to walk, perfectly capable. Um, and her grown-up daughter has ended up kind of caring for her. Um, most of the time she sleeps in the room above the coffee shop where she works, but she's got uh, she's got a degree. Um, she's not using it. Um, she's she's kind of stuck in this limbo where because she's caring for her mother, um, she's she's kind of yeah she's she's kind of stuck in this nowhere. She she can't kind of get her independence. Except she also is not sort of pushing for that independence either. Um, both the mother and daughter are, are sort of stuck immobile in one way or another and they they have this sort of relationship where they're both leaning on each other um unable to to get free and it's fascinating actually how this sort of intense heat of the spanish desert coast um and the poisonous nature of the um these medusas these jellyfish in the sea where she goes swimming she's in theory supposed to not go swimming this is the daughter but she does anyway she gets stung by the jellyfish sort of sting her into action um and make her be cruel to be kind there's this amazing um doctor in the uh, clinic where they go to who um appears to be treating the mother for illnesses as and in fact is clearly um treating her for psychological illnesses but in the most on the one hand kind but in on the other hand intellectually clever ways um which I thought it was very, very funny, but also very, very clever. Um, I think the writing is brilliant. It's very, very poetic. I, I really, really loved it. Vintage shared a, a booker party with um, Hamish Hamilton, with Penguin. And I think they they obviously thought that Deborah Levy would be very deserving of winning. Um, mm. You know, we, we obviously thought the same about Atessa Moshfeg and, and David Saloy, of course. It would have been... You know, it it is a really, really great novel. Um, and I, you know, I say that as a reader. I mean, obviously, it's hard to it's hard to come on here and sort of talk about vintage books sometimes with it something as big as this mm. and be objective. But I can, you know, I can say just as a as a reader, I absolutely really did love this. I think it's really, really a wonderful book. Mm. Um, and I would highly, highly recommend it. I think it's so so beautiful and I thought the the sort of mythical references were really really fascinating which are sort of um I guess I mean it is set in Spain but they've got these sort of Mediterranean um kind of Greek Roman mythical references which bleed into the narrative and I think are, are really really wonderful so I thought yeah, I thought it was great. Mm. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, you can just feel the sort of heat running through it. Mm. 
great. Really loved it. So that leaves us with one more before we get to the winner. Mm, yes, so. a bit of talk about. Actually, I mean, I thought both of these books, I, you know, I gave this five stars of Goodreads. I thought it was wonderful. It's it's pretty short, um, and I, I read through it very quickly because I didn't want to didn't stop. Um, the other um, book that I read um, is Do Not Say We Have Nothing by Madeleine Thien, which is published by Granta. Um, this is a bit longer. This is, let me see, it does have some notes at the back. The actual story is 463 pages, and then plus with some notes. This took me a while because it is quite dense, um, but it is absolutely stunning. Hmm. Um, I would say it's not an easy read emotionally. It's very tough. Right. So do not say we have nothing. Um is kind of over quite a vast historical period. So from the 1940s to now. And it focuses on two families whose history is kind of interlinked, interwoven. And it has kind of three threads. And it it starts now and then it takes us right back and looks at how those families' fortunes have been interwoven. Mm So the families now are based in Canada and you've got, again, actually a mother and daughter and then a girl who comes to live with them for a little bit. And then it's how the two daughters start talking, um, like the daughter and the girl. And they the daughter discovers, she like she's grown up now, um, the daughter discovers the family histories, and it ter- you know it turns out this all the stuff that happens. And for me, I thought I knew a bit about the Cultural Revolution in China, but actually, this book revealed to me so much about the absolute horrors mm. of what really took place. So the the three threads are, I guess, the the families in China and the the kind of immigration from China to the US and Canada, um, a thread of music and music learning um, based around the musical conservatory in Shanghai, and then also another thread about stories and storytelling where um, there's a, a kind of folk tale which gets rewritten again and again mm-hmm. and is uh, a kind of secret way of passing passing on a story and information because of the way that the story is subtly changed oh, right. as the as the story is passed yeah. on over time and becomes a way of sending sending messages um, and it's just i mean in places just absolutely devastating absolutely devastating uh, madeline thien layers the story so beautifully the the narrative moves back and forth in time um so sometimes it's um in canada sometimes it's back in the 1940s um sometimes it's in shanghai at the conservatory with the young people learning there sometimes it's um kind of in beijing um it, it the narrative does move quite a lot and but gradually it it progresses until it moves them all up to they so they meet in the present day. Right. Yeah. 
so it kind of gradually moves forward until all the threads meet up and it, it kind of ties all the threads up so it's I guess it's a bit of a mystery story as well you gradually see how everything ties together mm. and I just I mean the prose is absolutely stunning I kind of thought that this was going to win I'll be honest mm. because it's so inventive in its style. The prose is so beautiful. It's so moving, so moving. Um, and I mean, for for me, in terms of the, the books that I've read in this shortlist, I felt like the common theme, because there's often, you know, when you read books on a shortlist, there's often a common theme. Yes. It seemed to be to do with storytelling. Okay. You know, the... Yeah. The, his bloody his bloody project. It says overtly in the blurb that it's to do with the nature of truth and storytelling. Mm. Um, Deborah Levy. It's to do with is the mother being truthful? Is the daughter being truthful to herself? You know, are mm. they telling the truth to each other? What you know, the truth about their illness and so on. Eileen. It's you know, it's about is she is she being you know she's effectively an unreliable narrator. You know, uh, I mean, it's effectively the all that man is. It's the form, yes, in the storytelling. Yeah, they're they're, they're all kind of story, the different storytelling and form, and you know, so that's kind of what. And I thought, do not say, do not say, we have nothing. I kind of felt was the the pinnacle of that. Right. Yeah. As as I was reading, um, yeah. So that that was kind of my pick. I felt like out of the out of what I was reading, right? That that was my pick for the top, and I I absolutely adored it. That really just got me. I thought it was so 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 beautiful, um, but but and also completely brutal and completely tragic, and just moments of awfulness, and but you know, and then people coming together and helping each other, and just shows what the human spirit can withstand sort of thing just so yeah beautiful and terrible kind of thing so there we are well the judges actually went for in the end uh the sellout by paul bt they did indeed you swapped this one i did now shall i read out the blurb in case people don't know yeah um so it was shortlisted for the bollinger everyman roadhouse prize for comic fiction it's Mm -hmm. a biting satire about a young man's Isolated upbringing and the race trial that sends him to the Supreme Court. The sellout showcases a comic genius at the top of his game. Sorry if you can hear a siren, by the way. Sorry about that. (laughs) Born in the agrarian ghetto of Dickens on the outskirts of Los Angeles and raised by a single father, a controversial sociologist, the narrator of the sellout spent his childhood as a subject in racially charged psychological studies. He was led to believe that his father's pioneering work will result in a memoir that will solve his family's financial woes. But when his father is killed in a police shootout, he realises there never was a memoir. All that's left is the bill for a drive through funeral. Fueled by this deceit and the general disrepair of his hometown, the narrator sets out to right another wrong. Dickens has literally been wiped off the map to save California from further embarrassment. Enlisting the help of the town's most famous resident, the last surviving little rascal, Hominy Jenkins, he initiates the most outrageous action conceivable, reinstating slavery and segregating the local high school, which lands him in the Supreme Court. In his trademark absurdist style, which has the uncanny ability to make readers want to both laugh and cry, the sellout is an outrageous and outrageously entertaining indictment of our time. 
So how far did you get before you wanted to swap? Not very far. No? No. I had a little pause about 40 pages in. I carried on up to 100 pages and then I really had had enough. I really, really, really didn't like the narrator. Normally, I would just plough on, but I think it was probably partly because I just read the Deborah Levy and then I just read Do Not Say We Have Nothing and it's just such a horrendous clash of styles mm. from this just kind of luminous glowing <laughs> delicate prose and I just it, it was just awful I couldn't cope with it at all well I've only just just started reading the prologue, so I've still got a way to go yet. Mm. Uh, it's been described as a Swiftian satire of the highest order. So mm. I think sometimes with satire, if you're not... It can be a tricky read sometimes. Mm. And I think back to um, The Glorious Heresies, which won the Baileys, which was described as absolutely hysterical, and mm. the, the humour was there, which we, neither of us found it particularly funny. We found it quite tragic. Yeah. Then I do think maybe sometimes my sense of, my sense of humour I do find some things really really funny and then sometimes other things that people find funny I just don't get so I I really didn't get on with the glorious heresies at all I was trying to think there was something recently I found really funny um, Birdie by Jess um, Valance which is a YA novel which is really dark and it's a it's a YA novel which is is uh, ends up with someone getting killed, um, but, uh, which isn't a spoiler. But yeah, it's quite dark and nasty. Um, but I thought it was really funny. It's fine. Uh, well, yeah, I, mean, I don't know. But I just, I just didn't. It didn't. T I don't know. I think I was just really, really, really in the wrong mood. Or maybe I'll give it another go another time. But I just didn't. I didn't find it funny at all. Well, I suppose the thing about satire is it's it's poking fun, almost holding up a mirror against the status quo, mm. the, the the things that normally are, and it's designed almost to make you feel uncomfortable. Satire. Mm. It's it's highlighting things that perhaps people don't want to think about or talk about. This is obviously talking about race in America. And so, because Paul Beatty, he's the first um, American now to win the Booker Prize yeah. since it was opened up a couple of years ago. So, I, I do, I do, I do read some satirical stuff. I do, perhaps this one might be more aligned to me. But um, from what I've read at the start, I'm still sort of tuning into that style yeah. of narration. So, I'll need to keep reading a bit more before I can kind of get an opinion on that mm -hmm. but um we should also say it's two for two now for one world it's yeah amazing they won, they won last year they won this year so the pressure's now on to get the hat trick mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, so good luck good luck with that good luck so looking at the list as a whole obviously you've read far more than i have would it easy to say that the do not say we have nothing was the standout for the booker we should say um i i think for the booker i thought do not say we have nothing was was going to win it mm. um just you know for this particular prize well deborah levy was the bookie's favorite because she's been nominated before wasn't she yeah for a long while um i think that's that was a kind of like she's been nominated a few times this is gonna you know they're gonna give it to her this time because mm. she's been nominated you know but then i don't 
I don't know if this is necessarily the best thing she's ever written because I haven't read enough of her books to know if this is her best thing that she's ever mm. written type thing. Mm. Oh, she might write something else and it will be even better. So who knows? Maybe she'll win with a different thing. But I mean, I certainly did think it was excellent. I think Atessa Moshfeg, this is her first ever novel. Mm. She might she might well write other things that are even better. I mean, I don't. I suspect she probably will because she's she's ever so young, um, so she'll probably get better. It's not a bad start to your career. <laughs> no, it's not. It's no. not bad getting nominated. You know, getting short shortlisted for the Booker for your first ever novel. Um, well, next so year they'll we have go. next year they're going to have the competition from Bob Dylan, obviously. Yeah, a whole other story. Interesting, <laughs> eh? Interesting. But from our brief discussion, obviously, uh, I'm going to keep hopefully going with the sellout, the ones that have intrigued me have been His Bloody Project and Eileen. I mean, His his Bloody Project, as I said, I did enjoy it. It's a good, it's a good fun read. Um, I think in terms of things to go out and buy, if you're interested in um, kind of cultural history, um, if you want something that's really beautiful, beautifully written prose, um, then do try the Madeleine Thien. I think that's really, really lovely. If you fancy some dark psychological crime stuff, then really, you know, do give Eileen a go. But just bear in mind, it is it is pretty dark. Um, you know, people have flagged that. But as as long as you, if if you find stuff like Silence of the Lambs. Um, Ripley, Tom Ripley stories, things like that, interesting. Then I think give give it a go. Um, if you want kind of historical crime, uh, if you like, you know, really well written historical crime, try his bloody project. Um, if you, I've seen lots of people um, on Instagram who are kind of bookie people already picking up copies of the sellout. I mean, it wasn't for me personally, but that is just me. I just don't tend to get on with satirical things um that i mean that that's just me i loved um the portable veblen mm. but i didn't get on with the glorious heresy so i think that's that's just my personal reading taste if you like the glorious heresies maybe you'll like the sellout yeah. so yeah i'd say possibly yeah. you know that's it's just personal taste um you know i was really keen to read it because of the politics but it was just maybe the time the the series of books that I was reading it in, maybe that just the narrative a, style. Part, yeah. So, you know, sometimes things just don't work for different people. That's, mm-hmm. that's just the way it goes. And I mean, as I said about the Deborah Levy, that, that really, that really did work for me. Um, it's quite short. That, that's definitely a really literary one. You know, if you're, if you like kind of Ali Smith and things like that, um, or you haven't tried Deborah Levy, but, something like Ali Smith is your bag, then I'd, I'd give that one a go. Well, do let us know your thoughts if you've read any of these. We've had some feedback on Eileen, but we'd love to, we'd love to know what you think about the shortlist as a whole. You can send us an email, contact at adventuresofwords.com. We're also on Twitter, at Word Adventures. You can also find us on Facebook. And if you go to adventuresofwords.com, you can leave a comment under any of our blog pieces or send us an email through the website. 
Um, so a couple of things to note. Um, we have actually just, uh, as I did say, we were keeping ourselves busy in our break. So Rob has kindly uh, given our website a little bit of a redesign. Oh, yes. um, so if you have a look at the website, you might see it looks slightly different. Let us know what you think. Uh, if you like it. Yes, version 2.0, whatever it is, is up now. So we've made it a bit easier to find um, podcast episodes. We've also made it easier to find all our book reviews. Um, there's well over 100, almost 200 book reviews there from Kate and I. So you can go back through sort of the back catalogue. Yeah. And um, we're going to have a go at a new thing, if we can make it work, of sharing some of those um, reviews and old podcasts and so on. Hopefully, if we can work out how to make that happen. Well, there's also a new little thing on the right-hand side of any page that you go onto. Because um, it's all mobile-friendly now as well. Uh, it actually picks out and highlights uh, a book review at random, which is quite fun. Because even I'd forgotten some of the stuff that I'd reviewed mm. in the past or even you'd done. So it kind of does does that, which is quite fun to do as well. So there we go. Yeah, let us know what you think of the new website layout. Oh, I don't know if I even told you yet. We're also on SoundCloud now as well. So you can listen to this through SoundCloud, the podcast. And we're also still on iTunes. So do leave us a review. Uh, reviews help us find new listeners as well. So you can follow me during the week on, let me see now, Twitter, Instagram, <laughs> Snapchat, and Litzy at Rob Chaw. Uh, you can follow me during the week. I have, I've actually been trying to do some things on Snapchat. I don't know if I've been successful or not, but I am on there. Um, so you can follow me during the week on all of those places as well at magic underscore kitten. So Kate and I will be back with another episode of Ventures Words in a fortnight. Now we are trying to get back into the swing of things with all our podcasts and we'll soon have a little calendar so you can hopefully tell when the next episodes will be. We will let you know when that is on the website and where you can find it very shortly via Twitter. But next week, we're not sure if it's either going to be a YA podcast or a literally unplanned podcast. We need to check with the relevant people but we will let you know also via twitter yes. so do keep an eye on the twitter and the facebook page that's where we'll put up any announcements and let you know what we're going to be talking about next that's it for this week and thank you for listening 